Thank you, Devin. Well, this morning is our Vision Sunday, and I pose a question in your outline. If you have your bulletins this morning, you might want to turn to it. And the question is, who are we? You know, people make statements about themselves in so many different ways. Sometimes uh, how they dress, uh, maybe how they speak, what they say, or maybe on the other side, what they don't say, uh, where they live, what things they're into, what kind of activities they're involved in. And another way to uh, make a statement about yourself, uh, at least has become somewhat popular, is, is uh, maybe a t-shirt you might wear. And uh, this past couples retreat, I, I shared some of these in terms of statements people made and what you can learn about people by what might be written on something they're wearing. And I thought I'd begin by sharing some of these things uh, with you or some of the t-shirts that I came across concerning particular types of people. Particularly, uh, certain type husbands might have this on their t-shirt. My wife says I never listen to her. At least that's what I think she said. <laughs> uh, or there might be dreamers in our midst, and this is a dreamer might have this on their T-shirt. My mind not only wanders, sometimes it leaves me completely. Engineers, um, engineers are not boring. We just get excited over boring things. <laughs> uh, and then dieters, particularly um, ladies. You, you might, you know, if you're doing real well, you might put this on your T-shirt. I don't want to brag or anything, but I can still fit into the earrings I wore in high school. <laughs> That's pretty impressive, pretty impressive. Uh, how about hikers? Any hikers in here? People like to get out and just see God's creation and enjoy it. Um, I particularly kind of related to this one um, in terms of, of uh, what you might put on your T-shirt if you like to do that. I go the extra mile. Usually because I'm lost. <laughs> uh, have I told you I'm a grandparent yet? Have I, have I mentioned that to it? Uh, grandparents. Uh, here's a T-shirt you could wear. Grandparents. So easy to operate. Even a child can do it. <laughs> um, then there is the person who might be a teacher. Anybody have in, in the profession of being a teacher for any period of time? A few people raise your hand on that. Uh, you can put this on your T-shirt. I'm not crazy because I teach. I'm crazy because I like it. <laughs> um, all right. Some people who are coffee drinkers, I drink coffee for your protection. I know some people like that. Uh, dog lovers, it was me. I let the dogs out. <laughs> and then uh, taking one other, uh, pastors. I used to be a people person. But people ruin that for me. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things you can say about yourself by what you wear, what you dress, maybe a T-shirt you might wear. But as we think about making a statement, uh, God's people ought to make a statement. But not only individually, but collectively. What are we? What, what's the message that we want to give out to those who might be interested in hearing what we're all about? Well, this morning, we can say it in a variety of different ways, but I, I want to put it very simply. My message is very simple this morning, and even though you might look at the outline, so we've got a lot of points for something that's pretty simple, but it, it's really just what we ought to all be about if we understand what the church is. And, and the church should be marked by what we believe, by what we believe. And in fact, I got a call earlier this morning uh, to the church office. Someone had called, uh, I don't know, it was either late last night or early this morning and said, can you tell me about your church? And I'm going to say, well, just come and I'll preach to you this morning. What is our church all about? Well, it should be marked by what we believe. And so this morning, I want to race through a few points, and then, then I want to kind of, kind of look. We've looked 
back a little bit this morning, pictorially, but we're going to look a little bit forwardly as we kind of close the, the service this morning about, about what, what we should all be about. And what we should all be about, sometimes it ought to be new and fresh, and some things that ought to be just, we ought to repeat the things that, that we ought to be, re, be repeating. We ought to get in a certain pattern that we keep repeating because this is God's plan for His church. But, but who are we? First of all, I would say this. We are, we are people who believe God is triune. And you think, why did you get complicated in the very beginning? Be- because we want to be very clear that what we believe about God is what God has revealed about Himself. And, and we don't make this stuff up. And, and the Bible is clear that there is only one God, but within the one God there are three persons. Uh, last Lord's Day we had the, the joyous experience of, of baptizing six adults who, who want to demonstrate their faith in a public way. And when we baptized them, it was, a, it was a very simple, clear message. And we baptized them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and the re- reason we did this is because that's what the Bible says. Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the Bible declares that, that every, each person of, of the Godhead has a ministry into our lives. 2 Corinthians 13 14 says this, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, probably God the Father, and the fellowship of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, be with you all. I, I was in conversation with someone yesterday in the community behind us as we participated in a, an event that they were putting on, and, and uh, we were cooking the hot dogs and all kinds of things. And he said, well, well t- again, tell me a little bit about your church. You, you believe in the Holy Spirit. And, and sometimes... Baptist-type churches, they, they wonder if we think there is only two parts of the Trinity. We believe the Spirit of God is essential for us to know Him and to live for Him. But we were really blessed uh, yesterday. Uh, uh, Ruth Lee kind of gave a corporate testimony for their family, uh, David and Ruth Lee, and had opportunity to, to reach out to people. And she, she shared the story about a, a, a Buddhist friend that she had. I guess you could say has because uh, she's still a friend, even though kind of far from her. And, and she was talking about how God answers prayer. And, and for a while, it, it, it was kind of a mixture of understanding there. And she said, well, well, yeah, Buddha answers my prayer. Well, you don't understand. Jesus and Jesus alone is the one who answers our prayer. And, and she came to the point, and she said, well, you know, the, thinking about God as being three in one is kind of complicated, but... But God brought that to the point where she understood the true God, that God has revealed himself completely. So, so what do we believe? We believe in the true God, the one who is one in three. Secondly, about this God, we believe God is awesome. No, no matter how big you think God is, he is what? He's bigger. He's just bigger. When we think about God, it ought to produce awe in us. It's just, it's beyond our imagination how awesome God is. The Bible's pretty plain about that. God is spirit in terms of defining who he is. He's infinite, he's eternal, he's unchangeable in his being, completely full of wisdom, power, righteousness, justice, goodness, and truth. And the Bible says in Romans eleven thirty three, Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable is his ways. Have you ever spent any time just kind of stopping and reflecting 
on the supreme being of this universe? my, My basic temperament is no matter how fast I'm going, I want to go faster, you know, whether it's speaking, you know, when I'm preaching or whether it's getting from point A to point B or kind of going through my to-do list or the things I'm dreaming about. I just want to go, I want to go fast. But there's a place to go slow, isn't there? To to reflect on how awesome God is. And if you stop for a moment, you cannot even imagine how how unfathomable his ways are. And unsearchable are the judgments he makes. In a verse that recently we tried to memorize as a church family, for from him and through him and to him are how, how many things? All things. And to whom should get the glory? To him. And so as we think about what grace is all about, we believe in the true God. The triune God. We believe in the God that is awesome. So beyond what we could even imagine. Bigger than big. But to get down to really how God has fully revealed himself. We believe at Grace Hills Church that we believe that Jesus alone is Savior. If you can get Jesus right, then you can get everything else right about God. But you've got to get Jesus right. That what, that's what Christmas is all about. That's what Easter is all about. It's coming to the point where you recognize that, that Christmas is not just a cute story, but it's where God himself invaded human history so that he might fully reveal himself to us. It's that proverbial ant story. If, if you wanted to communicate well to an ant, and I don't know why anybody would want to communicate well to an ant, but if you wanted to communicate well to an ant, the best way to communicate to an ant is to do what? It's become an ant. So God in all his glory left the throne of heaven. And God the Son came to live among us. So that he could do for us what we could not do for ourselves. We believe that Jesus alone is Savior. In Acts 4.12 it says this, And there is salvation in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. It says both in the positive and the negative. It, there is no other name. It's, it's Jesus. And we must come to that point where we recognize we're drowning and we need to be rescued. And that can only happen by a singular individual in this universe, and it's Jesus. Well, how does that happen? Uh, John 1.12 puts it pretty plainly. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name. And, and I think those, those corresponding phrases that, that surround that, that central point in the, in, the, in the middle, which is, if, if we were just on the street and say, is it possible to know God? And if it is possible to know God, I think everybody would say, I I want to know him. And then the question, well, how could I know him? How good do I have to be to to know him? Is there any way I could have the right to be called a child of God? And so God wanted to put it plainly. Well, you've got to receive him. What does that mean? You've got to believe in him. And that works both ways. 
You, if we were to say, how do you become a child of God? Well, you need to believe in him. What does that mean? That, that means you need to receive him. It, it's coming to that point where, where you invite Christ to live in you. And that you live in him. It's as simple and as clear as that. But that, that's the crossroads of life. That's what we believe at Grace Hills Church. That, that we have good news. And, and it's clear that it really is all about Jesus. It, it's coming to that place where, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the privilege, the authority, the power to become a child of God. Not on anything we do, but on what he's done. If we'll just believe in him. Who are we as <laughs> Grace Hillians, you know? you know? What are we as Grace Hill people? We are people who believe in the true God. The triune God. We are people who, who believe God is awesome. Who else I was talking to Audrey right before, said... And we, I've shared with her many times, and with some of you who have gone through this experience, there's probably no greater pain than to outlive your children. And her, her comment was, well, why would I stay home? I want to be in a place where, if I, where I'm surrounded by God's people and God's truth and God's hope. And, and so we do believe that Jesus, Jesus saves. Fourthly, and each one of these obviously you could preach a, a series of sermons on, but we believe God's love-producing grace is enough. We believe God's love-producing grace is enough. Now, we, we live in a world um, filled with self-help gurus where if you'll, just, if you'll just do this, your life will change. Uh, now, let, let's be honest. Have any of you ever watched an infomercial? Whether you wanted to or not, you've seen hundreds of infomercials. And it's interesting to me, for, you know, coming from my perspective, each one of them give testimonies. Have you noticed? I once was this, and now I'm that, you know? And it doesn't matter what it is, okay? Whether it's weight loss, or whether it's, you know, putting on muscles, or, or, or whether it's making your mind more alert or your intimacy uh, much more passionate or, or whatever it is. It's, it's all about, if you do this, this will be the result. And, and, and you know, it kind of creeps into the church at times. We're, we're, we're looking for the next new trick that's going to work to make our lives or our church life work better. We understand we've already got it all. God's love-producing grace is enough. The, the Bible says in Ephesians you know, 2.4, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, and for brevity's sake, I, I just jumped on to verse uh, 8, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and now yourselves it is the gift of God. See, at the point of coming into God's family, it's, again, not what we do, but what God has done. And that flows out of his love to give us two things, mercy and grace. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve, which is God's judgment. And grace is getting what we don't deserve, which is 
heaven and his presence and then right become and call the child of God. And it's not what we do, it's what he has done. And we respond to what he's done. But it's not, it doesn't stop there. Once we become a child of God, God's grace continues. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, And he said to me, uh, this is Paul's um, experience being in heaven and coming down and kind of giving some of the messages. He says, My grace is what? Sufficient for you. In fact, just to understand this, the, my power is perfected in weakness. The, the only time you really know you need God's presence or power or his grace is when you're, you've come to that point where you realize you can't do it on your own. And, and so God is saying, look, at my grace is enough. My help, my strength, my power is enough. And that all flows out of his love. Then in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. You know, all of us is, well, probably most of us, if not all of us, have experienced or or heard about what happened in in Libya. Where where 21 young men gave up their life because they put their faith in Christ. And if you know any of the backstory, what happened is they, they were living in Egypt. Their families were destitute. And so they had to go searching for work. So they went across the line to another country. And while they were in Libya, they got captured by the ISIS. ISIS. And they were singularly called out because they would not deny their faith in Christ. And as they were challenged, either deny Christ or lose your head, they began singing hymns of praise to God. How can you, how can we account for that apart from God's grace being more than enough? Who are we? We are people who believe in the true God, the triune God. We are are people who believe in an awesome God. We are people who believe that Jesus and Jesus alone is Savior. We believe that God's love-producing grace is enough. And fifthly, we believe we must be filled with the Spirit. And can I just add another fill in the blank? We, f- we believe we must be filled with the Spirit and the Scriptures. We went through a series in, in 2014 uh, about knowing God, and then particularly focused on knowing the, the role of the Spirit in our lives. And if you, if you study that or you remember anything back to that, the role of the Spirit and the role of Scripture are, are entwined together. When you're filled with the Spirit of God and when you're filled with the Scripture of God, the results are the same. And so this is the active part where we participate in the grace that God gives us. As we fill ourselves, depending upon Him, and then looking to the Scripture for guidance. The Bible tells us that it's not going to be our own power. Zechariah 4, 6. Then He said to me, take this word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And in the New Testament, it says that we are called to be filled with the Spirit. Don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, as we understand who we are by what we believe, and, and here those are just bullet points, we believe in the true God. We believe God is awesome. We believe that Jesus and Jesus alone is a Savior. We, we believe 
that God's love-producing grace is enough, we believe that we must be filled with the Spirit and the Scriptures. Well, now what? We believe God's church needs to go somewhere. God's church is not a place where people come and, and we are just spectators. We are participants. That, that's part of the privilege we have to be part of the family of God. That God wants us into his family, and he also wants us to, to push us out as his representatives, as his ambassadors, as people who represent him so well that people want what we have. Now, you can say that in a variety of different ways, but let me just say it in three ways that, that uh, make sense to me. God, God wants us to go three places. He wants us to go up. He wants us to go in, and he wants us to go out. That's the marching orders for the church. He wants us to go up, he wants us to go in, and he wants us to go out. He wants us to go up because, again, it all begins with our relationship with God. It's always worship before work. It's always adoration before activity. It's not a matter of just doing things. It's all about connecting with God. And, And so we need to go up if we really care about our relationship with God. Colossians 3 says this, Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep sinking the things where? Above. Look up. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. And that, that really tells you what it means to, to look up. It's not just physically looking into the heavens or the sky or in the stars. I know Rich Myerski is always looking into the stars. Okay, been on vacation with him. It, it, and that's great. You see God's creation and, and the heavens declare the glory of God. But looking up is setting your mind on things that God has told us from above, which is found in his word, which means get to know God deeply. And that's an ongoing going that he has called individually and, and collectively as church. Secondly, we need to go in. And the end here is not our own personal end. It's the idea of end in terms of relationship with God's people. Go in to care for those in the church. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, which could be almost a life verse for our life group, says this, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, most times when you enter a church, someone doesn't say, okay, here's your job description if you're going to come to our church. Have you ever had that happen? Okay, you're going to come. This is your job description. Anybody ever had that happen? Well, you're going to get one today, all right? Okay, <laughs> here's part of our job description, is that if, if we're going to be what God wants us to be in living it out, we need to go up, but we also need to go in. And there's two things each of us need to realize, that we are given this responsibility. This is part of our portfolio, is that we need to be people who are encouraging and being encouraged. It is that we ought to be people realize that when we are with God's people, we ought to be looking, how can I encourage them? And then when we are struggling, we are willing to be encouraged by them. Does that make sense? So every time when we are together, we are looking to be blessed and to be a blessing. We are looking, how can we build someone up and how can we be built up? And anytime we only take one part of that equation, only one part of that, then we're all messed up. If we're only giving out, we're, we're going to get burnt out. And if we're only receiving, 
It'd be like a person who only eats. You get bigger, but you don't get what? Better. And so every one of us, when we see ourselves in church, we are to be encouraging and we ought to be encouraged. Do you want to sign up for that? Raise your hand like you're still listening to me. All right. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, that, that, you know, wh- wherever you find yourself in a church, that's what you got to realize. I'm there to be encouraged, but also to be encouraging. Then finally, we ought to go out. We ought to go out to care for those in the community. Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men in such a way they may see your good works and glorify your fathers in heaven. We, we penetrate the world for the purpose of people seeing Christ in us. Mark chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, great statement where, where, where uh, Jesus did not allow uh, one of the ones he had healed um, to, to come with him because he had, a, he had a marching order to impact his world for Christ. And he said, and he did not let him, but said to him, go home to your people and report to them the great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis, which is a series of ten cities, what great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. He simply told a story to people he knew. And people were amazed about where he was and now where he is. Now, let me, let me throw out four things just for us collectively as a church to think about. What are some... And what we've talked about so far is, is true for all of us. Let's, let's just go in and go up and go out with the people that we're connected to. Let's just do that. Always being going up and in and out, up and in and out. But are there some specific things that we might want to be targeting collectively as a church? Well, let me throw out some things in terms of some goals for 2015. We want to build relationships. We want to build relationships with a Glacia Park community behind us. I wrote on my good gossip card today. It was interesting yesterday when we were cooking hot dogs and some things went wrong with how we were cooking them and everything. You know, it wasn't going exactly like we, we had, as I had planned, okay, because uh, I messed up with some things. Okay, but we, we got it done. And it was interesting, um, as I was running around, I, I heard the story afterwards. They were, they were doing some dedication to the community, and they just mentioned that we were there helping with hot dogs, and they started clapping for Grace Lake Church. Why? Because we just want to be a blessing to them. So we want to build relationships with the community behind us that can just show that we love them. Secondly, uh, we want to build relationships with our neighbors. And this is where we all can do a much better job. The people you live next to, they're your mission field. It's not only the people you live next to, but it's the people you work with, the people you recreate with. Every one of them is a person Christ died for. And, and so as we go out, we go to specific target areas like the community behind us, but we go where we're planted to be a blessing. Thirdly, we want to build relationships to people who are on our campus. You might not know this, but this is a pretty busy place throughout the week. We have a, a non-public school here. We have some Al-Anon groups. We have some people that are just here on the campus. And they're here, and we're providing care for them in that way. But we want to start getting to know them in a much deeper way so that we can communicate the Christ in a clear way. And then fourthly, we want to build a relationship with our missionaries. We've got a couple mission trips planned even in this first quarter of the year where we, we go to Rainbow Acres, we go to, down to Mexico, and, and just looking so that we not only pray for uh, and give to, but we are with them. So as we look into the new year, there, there's so many opportunities that we can have to be the church. 
by what we believe and by also what we do. And so the, the question I want to leave you is, so where are we going? Are, are we going a, in a way in which people can see what we believe and then by how we live they can see that we're all in to what God has for us? Let's pray together. Father, we pray that as we have seen in the variety of ministries from people who come by alongside people one-on-one to, to be there during times of need, to people who meet in small groups, to people who are targeting uh, age ministries, as people are involved in, in physical ways to, to show the love of Christ, concern for Christ, and, and, and those who are involved in prayer ministries, all kinds of ways that people can directly be involved in what you're doing. Father, we pray that we might be asking ourselves the question, where am I going and how can I be what you want me to be so that people can see Christ in me and in us because we're all in with what you're into. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. As we conclude our time together.